Welcome to the second of the Pro 16 Plus 2021 funding podcasts. Uh, in this second podcast, we're going to take a, a look at student numbers um, and also a couple of odds and sods issues which are quite important, uh, things which, uh, which go on in the background, uh, which you need to be aware of from, from a funding point of view. Um, first of all we'll we'll talk about student numbers and student numbers are actually the main driver of funding so it is important that we are recording correctly the students that you have on roll um, as a census user the important date is actually census day because that is what drives your funding for the following year so so when we're looking at the october 20 census that will be the basis of the student numbers that will be used for the 20 uh, for the 21-22 allocation so it is a it is the vital thing uh, so it is purely those learners who are with you on that day a learner who has left before isn't counted a learner who arrives after census day isn't counted if you're a sixth form college or an fe college it is slightly different because they use the ilr return and their january return they, they get an adjustment factor put in, in place there simply because that there's a belief that there's more movement in the FE and sixth form college sector than there is within a school sixth form setting. Um, so re recruitment, getting the learners on board and having them with you on census day is the key thing to have in place. Um, I, you really can't stress that enough. Uh, that is the driver of funding. It, it, covers everything else so some of the things you need to look at and consider and make a, a note of is how many learners you have on roll on census day and compare that to the number of learners that were allocated the previous years and, and make a note are you up or down where where exactly are you uh, there, there's very little else that can be be said about that um other than looking at who you can recruit um there is a little bit of confusion. Most people think that you're talking purely year 12 and year 13 in terms of the academic age, uh, but you can actually have a learner who is in year 14. Uh, that's somebody who is repeating one year, but also you can have a year 15. Uh, those are the learners who have begun a program and are completing it. So you can be funded for four years. You can take a learner who's done a full two-year program with another provider and then do a two-year program with you. So, so they could, for instance, think they want to do a two-year academic pathway, they're not happy, they don't want to go to university, and then they decide they want to do a two-year vocational pathway, or, or vice versa. That's, that is quite possible. Um, and that can either be with the same sixth form, or it can be changing sixth forms. So, for instance, if you're a UTC, you can have a learner who's done two years in a school sixth form come to you and do two years then within uh, your UTC setting uh, and they are funded in accordance with the normal funding rates. Um, so that's the, that is the, the situation there in terms of who you can recruit. Um, if anyone has queries about whether they can recruit overseas learners etc that is quite a, a complex issue. Um, simple rule of thumb if the learner has already been studying in a state school in the country they will be fine because they have an existing uh, learner number not an issue if the learner is for instance um, coming to the UK 
they have a right to be within the UK and the parents in a position where they're either paying tax or would be able to pay tax then then they should be okay the sort of concerning issues and things which should raise alarm bells are learners who are coming over to the UK unaccompanied to study that is that falls outside the the learner being able to be funded and also learners who may have been within a private schooling setting and then want to transfer for their post-16 education to state funding if they are overseas students again that is unlikely that they will be funded so so that's the the sort of things you need to be aware of there but but it is a complicated area and there's probably as much guidance on who you can fund and who you can't fund as the rest of the funding guidance put together i, w- I want to move on now to talk about starts and a, a start is a is important um because after the learner has been with you on census day um that this is the next most important thing to be considered a start, a learner has to be enrolled on a learning aim for 42 days. This gives you a period of, of grace where a learner can come to you, decide they don't like you, move on somewhere else, or you can decide that the learner isn't for you and you suggest that they move on and neither of you are suffering a consequence of that. Uh, you're not going to suffer a financial consequence because you're not a start and you're excluded from the funding calculation. So the start is very, very important. It is a 42-day period, which you would think is, is quite simple and straightforward, but we have to consider now that many schools operate on a two-year funding programme, but each funding year is judged separately and the 42-day qualification period begins each year. So for year 12, the first year that the learner comes to you, or the first year that the learner comes to you, because they could come in year 13 and be repeating year 12. So the first year of a two-year programme, or where they're doing a single-year programme, the 42 days starts from the date of enrolment. So we tick along the date of enrolment, 42 days, they are a start, and that is not a problem. The 42-day start period is normally confirmed after census day, uh, because that, that's the way it is within a school sixth form setting. The complication comes in the second year of a two-year programme. The ESFA funding year runs from the 1st of August to the 31st of July. So a learner who is beginning their second year begins the 42-day qualification period on the 1st of August. So by the 10th of September, that learner has become a start, and that is before census day. So all your learners who've completed one year with you and who who are on a two-year programme, you need to look at that very carefully and manage the date when they are leaving if they do not plan to continue. So you need to be getting that decision done early. I know some school sixth forms do a review and then make a decision around the 15th of September. If you take the learner off roll on the 15th of September when they're on a two-year programme, the learner will be a start and will be classed as non-retained and you will effectively be throwing £2,000 out of the door with that learner. So you have to manage that effectively. You have to have systems and processes in place to ensure that you are not disadvantaging yourself from a funding point of view. I think what I'm saying here is... You need to have systems in place 
which make sure the learner has officially left before that date, even if you are still having ongoing discussions, that the decision in principle has been made. The other thing that needs to be done early in a, a programme is making a decision if the learner is academic or vocational, because this impacts on other areas of funding, it impacts upon certain elements of programme cost weighting, it's a, it also impacts upon retention and the way that retention is calculated. So when we look at a learner, we have to sit down and decide, are they going to be classed as an academic learner or are they going to be classed as a vocational learner? To, to just mention why that is important from a retention point of view, if a learner is classed as an academic learner, they are classed as retained if they complete or continue any academic aim. So a learner that sets up on four A-levels or three A-levels in a GCSE is retained if they complete any one academic aim. So that could be an A-level or a GCSE if they're sitting one and the learner is retained. If the learner is vocational, you have done that by identifying a core aim. Once you've identified the core aim, then all your retention judgments are based on that core aim. So you are looking for the learner to either continue that core aim if it is the first year of a two-year programme, or you are looking for that learner to complete that, that aim and be retained. The other option you have is if the learner moves from one aim to another aim, from your core aim to a second aim, you can move the core aim as long as you record the movement of the core aim. Um, this is particularly important, for instance, where a learner begins on, say, an extended diploma and drops down to a sub-dip. You may have to manage that transfer and go, that learner has moved from there to there, I have moved the core aim. If you don't move the core aim, the learner is not going to be retained and again you will lose funding. So you need a process and this process has to be done as part of a team. Probably the basic information has to be put together by the data manager, but the decision on if a learner is to be classed as academic or vocational can only be done from teaching staff. You have to sit there and think, what is the learner most likely to achieve? Are they going to achieve an aim, a vocational aim, that you have identified? Are they going to complete that? And also, you need to be bearing in mind, does that vocational aim carry an uplift? And that's the sort of decision-making process you need. So you need systems and processes in place. Uh, one of the things we're working on at the moment is a simple pro forma sheet where you can take a look at each learner that you want to consider um, and through a series of ticks, tick boxes and crosses, uh, you can arrive at a decision as to whether that learner is going to be classed as academic or vocational. So that's, that's effectively uh, the sort of two things that you need to be aware of outside the funding boxes, uh, but they're very, very important within the funding process. Uh, the other thing you need to to consider, uh, I said one when you look at the number of learners that you have on on roll on census day and compare it to the previous year. One of the reasons that this is important is if you've had a particularly large growth in numbers, then you can get some degree of in-year additional funding for exceptional growth. You will have to put together a business case to 
get this funding and you begin the business case process as soon as you get to census day uh, then you need to advise the ESFA. What sort of criteria are, are we looking at for putting forward an exceptional growth business case? ESFA don't actually lay down the criteria but historically what they have said is it will be on the grounds of affordability uh, and the national picture um, so what are we looking at? You're looking at the number of learners increasing somewhere between 50 and 60 or around the 15% mark. So if you are a sixth form of below about 350 then what you're looking at is that 50 to 60 learners should trigger certainly a consideration of a business case for additional funding in year. If you're greater than 350 then you are looking at around that 15% and saying have we crossed that threshold. So that, that's the first thing, have we crossed the threshold. The second thing you need to look at and one of the things that ESFA will consider when they review the business case is what sort of levels of learning numbers have you had over the past two or three years? Is there just a, a natural rhythm that's occurred and you've more or less returned to your natural picture after a couple of years that have been particularly low? In which case uh, you won't get the additional funding. So that, those are the sort of criteria and it is quite a, a lengthy process and when I talk a lengthy process we're saying that you advise ESFA at census time, you submit the business case, you go through that entire process and by the time ESFA have fully reviewed and looked at it you're probably getting towards the end of January beginning of February and you'll get your money sometime probably in March or April. But the one thing not to, to look at there is you won't get the money as a lump sum at the same rate that you got for your original funding. ESFA's argument is that you will have most of your infrastructure in place and you will only get something like 50 to 60% of the funding rate which you have earned for that particular funding year. So if, for instance, you were earning at the rate of £4,000 per learner, you may only get £2,800 or £2,900 per learner as the additional exceptional growth funding because the idea is you've got all your infrastructure and all your teaching costs in there and this is only the additional examination costs and additional support costs. That, that's why you don't get the full amount of money. It is important to know if you are in that position um, and certainly if you are looking at growing your sixth form uh, you need to look at whether you're going to go for an organic growth of 20, 30 or 40 learners per year or go for a massive step change where you try and, and claw in some exceptional growth funding. Um, one of the areas where schools have been caught out in the past is where they've entered partnerships with uh, especially sports academies and the sports academy have recruited 40 or 50 extra learners and the 40 or 50 extra learners there actually don't get you above a threshold for a business case but you've actually got to pay your partner out of your existing funding. So again it's an area where you have to be very very aware of the situation and you have to build it up within your plans. Okay we've got to about 15-16 minutes I've covered most of the things that I wanted to do there um, so we look forward to seeing you for programme three which will be talking about the, the actual programme of study and how that's calculated, what's included and the ways forward on that.
hope to uh, have you with me in the near future.